I'm super grateful for this opportunity to be able to speak to you guys on this beautiful day. It's such a special, significant day. Um, one of the reasons why I think it's a special, significant day is that today is the first day of the Hebrew New Year. If you're someone who follows you know, the Hebrew calendar, you would know that, yeah, it's um, today we're crossing over to the Rosh Hashanah. And, um, and I have faith that today is the day that we will get to cross over, that we will step into the new dawn. As I speak to you today, I have faith that it will be a beginning of a massive breakthrough in your lives. Amen. Yeah. And I also just know that it is um, one of the amazing days in South Africa where we get, it's actually Heritage Weekend, it was Heritage Day yesterday. So yay, Happy Heritage Day. Happy Heritage Day weekend, not day, the day was yesterday. But um, if you're not from South Africa, I don't mean to make you feel left out, but we do get this day where we set it aside in the country as a public holiday, where we get to celebrate our Heritage Day. And um, I love being a South African, and I love Africa. I love the church in Africa, and what God is doing in the church in Africa. I love the promises that God has spoken over the church in Africa. And this morning, I just want to charge you that we need to start looking at Africa from the heaven's perspective. We need to start declaring the promises of God over the church in Africa. We need to start speaking truth and identity over Africa. As a church, we don't run away, but we hold on to those promises of God. And there are so many of them in this season. And I can tell you that we may not live to see all of them coming to fulfillment. But one thing that I know is that something is happening already. Something is happening in the continent of Africa. And something is happening in the church in Africa. Amen. So we're continuing with the Sermon on the Mount. Today I'm doing chapter, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 to 11. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, gives him a stone? And if he asks for a fish, give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? I love what it says on the Amplified Version. It says, ask and keep on asking and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking and you'll find. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who keeps on seeking receives and everyone keeps on, sorry, everyone keeps on asking receives and everyone keeps on seeking finds and to whom to, to him who keeps on knocking, it will be opened. Or what man is there among of you if the son asks for bread, will instead give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will instead give him a snake? If you then, evil, 
in other words, sinful by nature, as you are, know how to give good and advantageous gifts. I love that part. Good and advantageous gifts to your children. How much more will your Father, who is in heaven, perfect as he, as he is, give what is good and advantageous to those who keep on asking him? Amen. Wow. Sounds very simple. Ask and you'll receive. Like, as I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, this sounds like common knowledge. If you need something, you ask. If you, like, it's like common sense, basically. You need something, just ask. Like, duh. You're looking for something, you know, just seek it. You want to come through, you know, you're looking for opportunities. Just knock at the door and the door will be open for you. But as simple as it might sound, I'd like to think that um, if, if it wasn't a problem then and Jesus didn't think it would be a problem today, it wouldn't have been added to this book that has been written for us. And today I just want to look at, um, this is a very broad topic, so I had a lot to say and I just felt like I needed to scale it down to just us looking at how trauma and unanswered prayer can hinder us from asking. So humanly, asking can be a very vulnerable thing. It can seem very risky. I mean, you get to put yourself out there and, you know, you risk being rejected. Yet with our Father in heaven, we get this invitation to ask and keep on asking. There's no measure. You can't, you can't be asking too much, basically. Grace doesn't run out and, you know, or even supplies don't run out. And the promise is that he is a good father who gives good and advantageous gifts to those who ask. I remember this one year, um, like years ago, when I wanted to go to this um, ministry equipping school. And um, I sat down with God, like on my journey, like in the season that I was in at that time. And it just felt like, you know, it was time for me to go to the school. So I sat with the father and I said to him, well, by the way things are going between you and I, I think it makes sense that I go to the school this year. And he was like, and of course it does. And I was just like, oh, well, can I go? And daddy was like, of course you can. And I'm like, okay, then that means you're going to provide. And he was like, yes, of course I will provide. And I was like, okay, that settles it then. I'm going to the school. And God was like, indeed, you're going to the school. <laughs> and as, as I was like, oh, yay, thank you, Father. And as, like, I, it was, this, the, I had like a few, a few months before the school start. So as I, was, um, I continued, I carried on with my life, but with that expectation, you know, that, yay, I'm going to the school this year. God is going to provide for me. And let me just continue doing what I'm doing. But I'm going to reserve days for, like, from that time to that time when the school started. It was nine-day school. And, you know, I kept on communicating to God about the school. And I still had the thumbs up, you're going to the school. And the day came, as I remember perfectly, the closing day for the registration and to pay for everything was the 14th of August. So came the 13th of August. Woke up with an expectation that, yay, God today is going to, you know, blow my mind, is going to sweep me off my feet. Today is the day where I get to see that breakthrough. 
those testimonies that people always talk about that, you know, get, God came through in the 11th hour or God came through, you know, through someone and I got money, you know, popping into my bank account or someone phoned me. I was just like, yeah, today is my turn. And then the 13th came and passed, nothing happened. Woke up on the 14th, I'm like, ooh, today is definitely the day. The 14th came and passed, nothing happened. I was devastated. I cried. I don't remember the last time I cried so much. I was so disappointed. I was so, like my life, it felt like my life was shattered. And I asked God, did I misunderstand you? Did I not hear you right? What did I miss in this whole process of me getting to this place of going to the school? Because now the entries are closed, that means I'm not going. And I wasn't hearing God about the situation. It was just, he had just, it just seemed like he had gone quiet. I had to move on, pick myself up and move on and got to that place where I had to deal with the disappointments so I can be able to pray again, so I can be able to worship again. Moved on with life. The school was in September. The day the school started, two hours just before, you know, the classes and everything start, everyone has arrived, so you had to leave your whole family to go be there for nine days with, um, yeah, with lectures, mentors, and, you know, speakers and so on. So two hours before the lecture started, I got this call from this lady, and she's like, hey, Sipogazi, um, I'm actually phoning around, trying to find out if there's anyone who wants to come to the school, as in just now, because someone has just pulled out, all fees are paid, and I'll pick the person at the door. And that was me, God had provided. That was me, God had provided, went to the school, came back, and you know, launched into like amazing things in God, in ministry, now I have to trust God again for something bigger as I journey with God. And trauma just stood in front of me. All the trauma that I went through in that time of trusting God and in the time when, he, you know, when things didn't work out the way I had planned out. You know, I, I, I created this whole thing for God and I was just like, okay, he's going to move this way because this is how he normally does it and it didn't work out. So the trauma came. I couldn't bring myself to that place where I have to push through again, where I have to surrender, where I have to trust God. So I was just like, I don't know, Daddy, if I can do this anymore. I can't. I don't think I can. And I had to journey with God, and he was so kind with me, journeying with me, dealing with the trauma and just all the disappointments all over again and journeying me through redemption and restoration. It is very important for us to understand that God, our Heavenly Father, is not the same. He is nothing the same like our, our earthly fathers. No matter how good or bad your earthly father is, God has, has nothing, is nothing like them. Our Heavenly Father always has eternity in mind. He sees the bigger picture. He, he sees the beginning. He yeah. sees the end. Yeah. Hence, we say he knows how to give good and advantageous gifts. He's not irresponsible. How many of us miss out on the blessing of journeying with God because of trauma and disappointments? How about unanswered prayers? You get people who say, oh, but God, your word says, you know, I must ask and I will receive 
Why aren't you coming through for me? Like it's been years now, I've been waiting. What is going on? Why is that? Why, have I, why haven't you come through for me? I'm hearing you know, breakthroughs. I'm hearing people's testimonies. When is my turn? Well, I don't know why he hasn't come through for you yet. But I do know this. He is a good father. He is a good father who works outside our time. But he is always on time. He knows what we need before we ask him. That's what it says in Matthew chapter 6 verse 8. That when you pray, this is how you should pray. Because your father who is in heaven knows what you need before you even ask him. And has it ever occurred to you that when you, when you ask God, it is his idea that you ask because he's the one who has placed those desires in your heart. He's the one who has created you and he has, he has, he has placed those desires in your heart. And when you ask, you are simply partnering with his goodness and plans. But in our human nature, we'll come and place our own strategies, our own timing, our own ways, and put the almighty, the all-powerful God in this small box. And then when things don't work out, we get frustrated, we get depressed. Why is it not working? Like, what is going on, Father? Like I did, I put God in this box that, okay, this is how you're going to do it. And when that didn't work out, my life was shattered. And isn't it amazing? That's how, that's how it happens. We see that everywhere. And God is saying today, we need to surrender. I'm tearing out the box. Saying I'm the consuming fire and I'm burning away the boxes that you guys have put me in. You, my children, have put me in. There's a story in the Bible about the man called Job. We all know the story. Job is a man who was without fault. A man who was righteous and trusted by God. But we do know that Job was inflicted with such pain and he was stripped of his wealth. He was stripped of his children. If you read through the book of Job, you will hear or you will see how God, how Job wrestled with God. And he was simply seeking for answers. He suffered the unwise advice of his friends. And all he was looking for was answers so he could be able to tell his friends why it was happening. And if you read in Job um, chapter 38, after, after Job had asked God, has um, spoken to God about, you know, just asking and looking for answers. And it says in chapter 38, verse 2, Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm and said, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you will answer me. Where were you when I laid down the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know who stretched a measuring line across it. On what what were its footing set? Who laid its cornerstone? And then skipping down to chapter 40. 
we get to see Job's reply. He says, Behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once and I will not answer. Twice, but I will, not proce- I will proceed no further. I've had people say that when they read the response of God after all that Job went through and what God, how God replies, they will be saying, oh, that sounds so bully and so Old Testament. The New Testament God is not like that. Well, I do know that doesn't change the fact that God is perfect. He's holy, he's sovereign. He's above everything, he's the creator of the universe. Job never got his answers, but instead he had a one-on-one with God. He encountered the holy God and his, pers- his perspective changed. Nothing else mattered as soon as Job, God saw who God, Job saw who God is, he was satisfied. All Job needed was the manifestations of God. Then he was able to leave the details in God's hands. You see, once you have encountered God for who he is, you are able to even look like a fool as you leave the details in God's hands. When you talk about unanswered prayers. People around you can wonder what's gotten into you because you have, your, your perspective has changed and you are able to leave the details in God's hands. And I feel the Lord saying this morning, trust me, trust me, trust me. First of September, beginning of spring, beginning of this season, I woke up to a dream early hours of the morning on the 1st of September. I woke up to a dream of this woman. I saw a woman who had parked what seemed like a microbus. And after she had parked that microbus, she pressed what looked like a handbrake and then she walked off. And she was going to a place that looked like she was going to exercise. She walked off and then she closed the door and then she walked off. But as she was walking off, the microbus started to move. As it moved, it moved to what looked like a dock, what looked like a harbor. The water was brown and oily. It moved and then it crashed inside the harbor, the microbus. And the lady walked on and never looked back. She kept on walking and she never looked back. And after the microbus had crashed into the harbor, two men, two strong men, jumped inside to try and rescue the microbus. They put what looked like a mat under the microbus, they were, but they were not able to lift it out of, the, out of the harbor, out of that ditch, that dirty water. And then I woke up and then I asked God, What do you say, Lord? What does this dream mean? It is the beginning of spring. Like, what are you trying to say? And I wrote the translation down. I felt God was saying that there is is a specific person. It can be more than one person. 
but there is a specific person who has abandoned her mantle, his or her mantle, and has walked on and never looked back. The dents on the microbus are hurts and trauma. And it felt this specifically speaks to someone who has a history of leadership as symbolized by the microbus. And I felt God was saying that the season is changing. The season is changing and the Lord is saying that you must trust me. You need to trust me. You need to trust me to go back there with you. You need to, try, you need to go back and pick up your mantle. There is a shift that is happening. And God says the reason why you have, been just, you have just been going through the motions is because you have abandoned your mantle, which is something that I have given you to guide you into your destiny and purpose. years ago the Lord spoke to me and said to me Sipogaza I am raising the next generation of leaders two years ago if we know is when we experienced a huge amount of death and a lot of shaking in the church and God said to me the legacy of the church needs to continue when I speak about the church, I speak about the body, about the body of Christ in all spheres of earth. And the Lord says that the, the legacy of the church needs to continue. Yet the next generation of leaders is struggling to stand on their own while the current generation is still around. God spoke to me again in January this year. And this time he said, Sipogaz, I am raising the next generation of leaders. And this time he said, Sipogaz, look around. You have just walked into the place where this next generation is. These are the people that I'm speaking about. And he was making signal as an example. And he spoke to me the same word again, the third time in July, the 17th of July. And this time he said, Sipogaz, you need to pay attention because I am going to give you the details this time. And he led me to Joel 2, Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that, it will, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters shall prophesy men, old men will dream dreams and young men will see visions. I'm just paraphrasing that scripture. And the Lord said, the next generation that I'm raising has nothing to do with age. This is ageless. It has nothing to do with age. I am simply calling forth the next generation of men and women. Doesn't matter whether you are 80, whether you are 20. I am calling forth the next generation of front runners. You are in your 80s and God has placed a mantle on you, but you have not been seen. The Lord says you get to have a turn this time. You get to have a turn this time. The kingdom of God is stirring and the Lord is saying, that kingdom of God that is doing is the sons and daughters of the mighty God. The current generation and the next generation walking shoulder to shoulder, spreading the gospel throughout the world. The next generation needs to arise and walk shoulder to shoulder with this current generation. That has so greatly paved the way for us. We, but we also need to prepare. I speak 
on behalf of the next generation. But we also need to prepare to stand on our own as this current generation is also called to move on to something else, something greater in advancing the kingdom of God. God is calling out the Joshua's and say, lean on to the Moseses. He says, lean on to the Moseses, Elisha's, lean on to the Elijah's. Burn your oxen and start, you know, the story of Elijah, where Elijah put on the coat on Elisha and Elisha burned his oxen and started following Elijah and sat with Elijah for mentorship and started serving with Elijah. Whatever it looks like for you in this season, we are in the season of transition and this is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. He has spoken it three times. And he's saying that Timothy's need to start to lean on to the poles. Yeah. Lean on to the poles. And what I like about the Timothy's, what, what it says, what Paul says to Timothy, do not despise your youth. And the Lord says, this is ageless. Yeah. Whether you are old, whether you are young, it doesn't matter. Do not despise your age. Yes. We can have Timothys that are 50, we can have Timothys that are 80, we can have Timothys that are 20. It doesn't really matter. Lean on to the poles. There is a shift that is coming and God is up to something, something new. And the Lord is saying, do not go back to what it looked like before. Do not default when you don't see what I'm doing in the spirit. Do not default to what it, to what it looked like before. I am doing something new in the church, but do not do not go back. That is Egypt. How many of you, how many of us, when it's not working, you're struggling to push through and you're just yeah. like, oh, let me just go back to what, to what I know. Yeah. And God is saying, no, that is Egypt. Yeah, just yeah, like yeah. the Israelites, yeah. when, they, when Moses was speaking with God and they were just like, oh, well, then let's just go back to Egypt. We should have died there. Mm. No, the Lord is saying, I am doing something new. This is a new season. We are crossing over to something new. Just because you don't see what I'm doing, you may not see what I'm doing. But do not go back to what it looked like before. That is why it is a new generation that he is calling to go forth with what he with what he is doing with this current generation. Lean, lean on to me. Pick up your mantle and trust me. Let me lead you to my promises, says the Lord. But the next generation needs to rise up so that the current generation can be able to pass on the button as they move on to the next thing at the right time. First step is to arise for this next generation. Pick up your mantle. That mantle that was left in the ditch because of brokenness, because of hurt, because of trauma. The Lord is saying that it's time to pick up the mantle, that mantle. Come back and ask me again. I will come and encounter you afresh, says the Lord. Seek me, you will find me. And seek me with all your heart. Knock and I will open the gates of heaven for you. There's so much favor in this season, says the Lord. There is a place for everyone. I'm Dave. If I could have some keys, please. (laughs) Give me some keys. 
Give me some keys. <laughs> And the Lord says, the Lord says, just arise and allow me to put my desires and plans in your heart again. The desire of my kingdom on earth through you. This time it will be different. I am doing a new thing, just trust me. Close your eyes and open and take out your hands. Open your hands. Just close your eyes. The Lord is going to encounter you today. The Lord is going to give you a fresh encounter today. Trauma right now. 